This morning, we'll take our text from 2 Corinthians chapter 6. 2 Corinthians chapter 6, and we'll read the first two verses, verses 1 and 2. We then, as workers together with him, beseech you also that you receive not the grace of God in vain. For he saith, I have heard thee in a time accepted, and in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. That word, secured, it, it means real help in time of real need. It would be helping the poor, helping the weak, helping the helpless. And, and he says here, in the day of salvation have I secured thee. Behold, now is the accepted time. Behold, now is the day of salvation. In Psalm 118, 24, the psalmist said, This is the day which the Lord hath made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. So as we consider today, we, we can look at it different ways, couldn't we? We could look at today as just being another day, another cold, wintry, February day. Or we could look at it with the same perspective as a psalmist, and that is, this is the day that the Lord has made. We can look at it as being a gift from God. And the Lord has given us this day, and then he has given us this time, this opportunity to enter into this place, into this tabernacle. Someone mentioned to me this morning, uh, as I was coming in, and it's good to be back in the tabernacle. Many memories here in this place. And many of you here this morning, you, you have memories of prayers that you have prayed. You have memories of, of answers to those prayers, consecrations that have been made here, lives that have been changed. I, I, I would never tire of hearing of that story of a young, a young man just out of school, and he was invited to come to a, a meeting here, and as far as he knew, it would be his one and only time to be in Portland, Oregon. He was working for the, in the CC camp down in Klamath Falls, and he was invited here. One day, never, never expected to be here again, but his heart was just reaching out to the Lord. He came here, and he sat in these meetings, in a camp meeting, and after the morning service, he got down and prayed and sought the Lord. But, but he, in, he didn't receive a, a salvation. He came back for the afternoon service, prayed again, sought the Lord. He still didn't receive. And as you, you would tell that story, you, you could just feel the, the desperation that was going out of his heart. He came back that night. This will be his last meeting, perhaps his last meeting ever to be in this tabernacle. But that night, he, he prayed on July 3rd, 1938. This young fellow, his name was Lois Carver. We refer to him as Brother Carver while he lived here many years. But the Lord did a work in his heart, a work in his life. And over the years, God has done that here. But, but God, he's, he's not just uh, the God of yesterday. He's not just a, a God of the past. No, he is God of today. Oh, 
the Lord is here with us. He is here today to meet with us here. Many years ago, an individual walked into the church just across the street from this place. He was just an old-fashioned sinner. And as he walked into the North and walked past the greeter's desk, I'm sure that the greeters extended a warm welcome to him. But as he walked past them, he said, The Lord is expecting me here today. And, and, and sure enough, he was. He sat through a gospel meeting, and there at the close of that service, he made his way to a place of prayer, just poured his heart out to the Lord, repented of his sins, and Jesus met him there, changed his life, gave him true, genuine salvation. Aren't you thankful that, that God hasn't changed? Oh, he's the same yesterday. He's the same today, today and forever. And the Lord, he's still doing that today. The Lord spoke. He spoke to his people through the prophet Jeremiah, chapter 29. He says, for I know the thoughts that I think toward you, the thoughts of good, of peace, and not of evil, but to give you an expected end. As we think about the, of the Lord looking down upon us here today, why he has a good thoughts aimed and, and directed right at us. Oh, my God, he, he has his thoughts of, of peace, thoughts of goodwill, thoughts of blessing on his people today. Today, we are busy people. We do live busy lives. We have busy schedules, school, jobs, families, activities, all of that. And, and sometimes it, it just feels like there's not enough time in the day. And and so we, we rely on weeks, even months ahead. But the, the fact of the matter is, we can become so fixated on tomorrow that it can actually shift our attention away from today. Well, why, why, why today? Tomorrow hasn't come. But we do have today. We do have this time. We do have this opportunity. And to think that here we are gathering God's house, but more than that, here. Oh, he is here with us, here in our midst. And as we think about uh, the time and the schedules and all of that, uh, Jesus, he, he spoke to that in the Sermon on the Mount. He, uh, there in Matthew 6, 26, he, he said, Behold, uh, the fowl of the air. They don't sow, neither do they reap, nor uh, do they gather into barns. But your heavenly Father he feedeth them. He takes care of them. What a, what a simple object lesson. Oh, just, just look at the birds. Just look at the birds and think about how our Heavenly Father takes good care of them. They tell us that spring is just around the corner. And all of those birds that, that flew south for the winter, uh, well, their, their instinct is going to tell them it's, it's time to come back north. And they're going to be here before we know it. And we, we watch them. Sometimes with amusement, we watch them fluttering around, flying around, and they're, they're talking and chirping and, and even singing. And sometimes it's almost as though they are singing melody to the Lord. By the way, they're just, they're just enjoying the day at hand. They're not the least bit concerned about tomorrow. 
concerned about what's going to happen next week. Now, it's important that we understand that the Lord doesn't expect us to, to live like the birds. Uh, no, we, we, we're intelligent beings. God, God created us that way, and, and we have to, to take care of things and provide and, and all of that. But he does make a good point in, in that we don't have to worry about tomorrow. Uh, no, the Lord is in control. We can take our needs to him. We can bring our cares to him. Or he will take care of us, and he will take good care of us. In fact, Jesus closed that parable with a question. He says, are ye not much better than they? Oh, my, if the Lord is going to take care of the birds, is he going to take good care of you? You know, those birds, they, 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 they sing, and, and, and that's kind of a picture of, of, of how we can be too as we, as we just uh, give praise to the Lord uh, today. Maybe yesterday didn't go so well for you, uh, but that's all right, because God is still in control, and Jesus still loves you, and he still cares about you, and we can still look to him for all of our needs, all of our cares, every, every situation. We read in our scripture reading this morning from the book of Exodus, and in this account, we, we read about Moses. We read about Pharaoh, about the children of Israel, and about the Egyptian army. Lots and lots of people involved in this account. But where we started reading, the children of Israel had just received their newfound freedom. They had just left Egyptian bondage, and they were taken down to the to the Red Sea. But it is important to note that, uh, to, to preface all of this, the Lord had been working up until this point. He had been doing great things, miraculous things. We remember the, the, uh, the, the children of Israel as they lived there in Egypt. They no doubt could remember that day when, when Moses and his brother Aaron were sent to Pharaoh and to say, let my people go. To which Pharaoh, he refused. He not only refused, but, but he determined at that point that the children of Israel, they didn't have enough to do. They had too much idle time on, on their, uh, uh, to, and not enough time to work, so they gave them more work. It was a situation where it just seemed like things were going from bad to worse. It just felt like things were going the wrong direction. Well, well that, that we can understand that. Sometimes we... Maybe have days that aren't so good, and, and, and maybe things, things go that direction. They, they can get worse before they get better. But even in those situations, isn't it good to know that we serve a mighty God, a God who is in full control, a, a God who is in and overall, and, and he sees the very things that we face and, and that we go through. And he knows, and so often we, we see after the fact that God was working all the time. He was working behind the scenes. He was orchestrating things. Well, that's what he was doing here. He sent those plagues, nine plagues. You would have thought that after two or three plagues, the Egyptians would have said enough. Let's just, let just send them away. Let's just let them go. But no, nine plagues came and went. And then the tenth plague. And there was some preparation to be made. 
the children of Israel were given some very specific instructions to take a lamb, a lamb without blemish, and they were to take that on a certain day, not just any day. I believe it was the, the tenth day, if you, if you read back there and uh, earlier on in the book of Exodus. But they were to take that lamb and kill it, and they were to take to the blood and apply it to the doorway of their houses, the post, and the lintel. And then after they did that, they were to go into the house and stay in the house, protected under the blood. So such a beautiful picture. It, it pointed ahead to Jesus, the Lamb of God, who would take away the sins of the world. But there they did. They, they couldn't just choose their day. No, they had to do it on the day that they were given. And so they did. And that night, when the destroyer came to the land, why, if there, if there was blood applied, why, he would move on to the next house. And that night, it says there was a great cry in the land of Egypt. And it says that the firstborn of every family was struck, beginning at the house of Pharaoh all the way to the captive in the dungeon. Well, God did that. And then it says that Pharaoh, by night, he called for Aaron and Moses. He didn't even wait until morning. No, he called for them. And he came and he, he, he said, go. Just take your cattle, take your things and go. The rest of the people, the population there of Egypt, why they gave them anything and everything they needed so they would leave. And they did. And God delivered them with a, a, a high and mighty hand. And now we find them down by the Red Sea. And, and the people, this must have been. This must have been a dream come true. But in a very short period of time, that dream come true turned into their worst nightmare. Because off in the distance, they saw uh, the chariots of the Egyptian army coming their way. And they cried out. They cried out to, to Moses. They accused him. They accused him, you, you brought us out here to perish in the wilderness because there were not enough graves back in Egypt. Well, Moses responded to the people. However, he did not respond to the, the, the personal accusations they made against him, but he did respond uh, to the fear uh, that they had within them. And he spoke those words to them. He said, and Moses said to the people, fear not. Fear not. Stand still and see the salvation of the Lord which he will show to you today. Today, if you will just stand still, if you will just watch, if you will just observe, if you will just pay attention, why the Lord is going to work for you today. Oh, he's going to do a miraculous thing. Oh, we can bring that right down to where we are today. Why the Lord is here. He has promised to be with us as we would gather in his name. Why, why the Lord, he, he, he's here to work. He's here to bless his people. He's here to give his people the desires of their heart. Well, today, uh, the Lord will do that. Today is the day of salvation. Now is uh, the accepted time. The Lord spoke to uh, his people through the prophet Isaiah, seeking the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. Let the wicked forsake his way. And the unrighteous man is thoughts. And let him return unto the Lord. And he will 
have mercy upon him and to our God. And to our God, for he will abundantly pardon. Oh, that's what the Lord will do over the years. So many have, have come and knelt at a place of prayer and, and they have experienced and they've received that pardon. They've received that forgiveness of sins in this very place. And that the Lord, he's still working today. Jesus is still speaking, and he is still calling hearts today. If you don't know Jesus today, why you can make your peace with God today. The Lord is here. The Lord, he is in this place today. It was on a Sunday evening in October. The year was 1871. The late Reverend D.L. Moody was preaching a message that night in this church to his congregation. There's many articles written about this, and we understand that perhaps a congregation of about 2,500 people there in his church in the city of Chicago. And that night... He took his text from the 27th chapter of St. Matthew, where Jesus was sent to Pilate. And Pilate was receiving pressure from the chief priests and different ones to, to do uh, something with the Lord. And finally, Pilate turned to the people and said, what shall I do then with Jesus? And Reverend Moody, that night, he presented that same question to his congregation. What will you do with Jesus? But as he brought that meeting to a close that night, he encouraged his congregation to take what they heard and go home and think about it and come back the following week ready to give a response, ready to make a full commitment to Christ. He closed the service. The last hymn was sung. The last prayer was prayed. And the congregation was dismissed. They left and went home. But that night, tragedy struck. We understand from history that a, a lantern in a barn or perhaps a livery stable was knocked over. And a fire started. And it quickly spread. And it quickly grew out of control and spread from one building to another. And we understand that over the next 36 hours, some 18,000 structures had burned to the ground. People's homes, people's livelihoods, buildings, and yes, even Reverend Moody's church. Many souls perished that night, the night of the great Chicago fire. Some historians refer to it as the worst urban American tragedy of the 19th century. Shortly after this event, Reverend Moody became very, very ill, and his illness was attributed to the guilt that he carried. He lived without regret for the rest of his life. He wondered, and at times he would, he would even ask the question, how many 
How many souls that sat in service that night? How many perished in the fire? But that, that time was a turning point for Reverend Moody because he purposed and he determined never again would he send someone home to think about it when he had presented Jesus to them. Today is a day of salvation. But today, Jesus is speaking. Jesus is calling. Oh, seek ye the Lord while he may be found. He can be found today. Jesus is near today. Heaven is near today. If you need salvation, why, why today can be your day. Oh, that you can access God's sanctifying power of today. Oh, today you can be filled with that endowment of power upon your life. And today you can bring your needs and you can bring the, the cares and the concerns of the day, of the burdens of life, of those things that sometimes weigh down heavy on us. You can bring it to Jesus. Oh, he is a great burden bearer. We don't have a promise of tomorrow, but we do know that we are living in that time accepted of the door of grace. The door of mercy is open today. We can't say that about tomorrow, but the Lord is here. Jesus is here today. We're going to have a time to pray, time to seek the Lord. Draw nigh unto Him. He will meet you here at the place of prayer.